1: So Ryan, let's move on to the defense and let's talk about what the defense needs to do. And And we're going to stick mostly as we look through these. It's going to stick mostly to stuff about Notre Dame against Marshall, because look, the reality is the defense came out and played really good football in the opener. There's some stuff they got to clean up, but it's it's about building on the success you've had. So, hey, keep doing what you're doing and just get better at It's sort of the big picture key. So with the defense, we are going to focus more on really what we want to see them against Marshall and and here's a big picture thing and this isn't a key to the game this is something that I'm just kind of curious about we saw what Al Golden can do when he's got a whole offseason to prepare for a big time offense lesson learned I feel really good like okay whenever Notre Dame gets to the postseason game whether it's a major bowl game or a playoff I'm going to really look forward to seeing the defensive game plan that Al Golden's going to have ready for that opponent which is important because unfortunately with Notre Dame too often in the past you know it was this way with it was this way with Bob Diaco it was this way with Clark Lee to a a large degree is you kind of know what you're going to get in the postseason because they just kind of were a do what we do kind of coaches and even though the defense played okay like against Clemson they you know had some good moments against Clemson there were still some things Clemson knew they had in their back pocket that they could kind of go to. And so we didn't really get a chance to see Marcus Freeman do that last year since he was, you know, transitioning from coordinator to head coach. I did like what I saw from his defense in the year before Cincinnati getting ready to play against George in the Peach Bowl in a game they only lost by a point. So I, we, we've seen it there, but now we need to see about all golden. But the next step for him is, OK, what's he what's he doing a week? And he's got a week of preparation. You know, what does he do in as far as getting the secondary coverage is where they need to be, getting the game plan where it needs to be, what are the pressures are, are, are going to be like? You know, now you don't have a whole month or off season to put in your calls and your checks and your adjustments and things like that. You know, what are they going to do now that it's just a week? And it's not that I'm saying it's going to be bad or it's a concern. It's just an unknown because we haven't seen him do it. It's all part of the learning about Al Golden as a coordinator thing. So I don't want that to come across as, this is a problem. This is a bad thing. It's just more of a, I haven't seen him do it. And so let's see him do it now. As he goes into week two, that's an interesting point uh, that I think we're going to learn a little bit about Al golden is, which is important because if you can't do it as effectively, then you're not going to be able to build on the success you had last week. If you do do it effectively, then we will see this defense play, continue to play very good football, which it did in the opener.
2: Well, except
1: for pro football focus. Who graded Notre Dame's offense out higher than its defense against Ohio State, by the way?
2: So, you yeah. love PFF, is what you're saying? Was yeah. That a quick plug for PFF. Just yeah. freaking yeah.
1: absurd. The absolute absurdity <laughs> of that. I just, it just popped in my head. I still can't believe that. I still cannot believe that they had Notre Dame's offense and run blocking and pass receiving better than the defensive counterparts in all those grades against Ohio State. Just sheer lunacy. Like, whoever did that should be fired. Yeah. I mean I'm i serious co- that person should not the, be doing that anymore.
2: The coverage grades on there was really weird too. It was like low. I was like what, what did you want them to do better in that game where their right. coverage grades could have been higher like it didn't make any sense right. but I mean Brian yeah. to your point though I was going to say is that everything at one point was an unknown. You know it's mm-hmm. it's not it's Nick Saban at Alabama, Nick Saban at LSU, Don Shula with the Dolphins. Like it doesn't matter doesn't matter what scenario or what example you give at one point everything was an unknown until it wasn't an unknown anymore right so i i i get the the there was fair skepticism over al golden calling a defensive game in this offseason i think he quieted a lot of those doubters in the game Mm -hmm. even with you know you know everyone's gonna have a bad call occasionally right but like for the most part for the large majority of the game Al Golden called a wonderful game, in my opinion, right? So, yes, we have to see what he does on a on a on on just a week instead of an off-season type of pro- progression, but I'm excited to see what it looks like because, I, again, I want to see aggressiveness in this game on both sides of the football, but especially defensively. Like, I want them to be able to fly to the football, and I think this is a game where you can take some chances if you're Al Golden. Like, you mentioned pressure packages, right? Why not design a couple pressure packages that maybe you didn't use last week that you guys kind of want to see what it looks like with these with this scheme that you have with the players you have. I want to see a lot. I want to see different things defensively. Like I think that Notre Dame showed last week that they can do they can do a baseline really well. You know, like mm-hmm. you saw them, they could cover. They could run fit for the most part. Like there was good things across the board. This is a week where you kind of test some things out and you see how far maybe you can push the playbook a little bit. So I want to see how Al right. Golden responds, but I really hope that he, like uh, and um, like Tommy Reese on the other side of things, I hope he opens things up a little bit and he tries some mm-hmm. stuff. Like I want to see a little bit of aggressiveness and a little bit of the, the playbook opened up a little bit in week two.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate – Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: I understand why they didn't against Ohio State. To me, when you do that defensively, it's a twofold thing. Number one is I trust my guys to make plays. I trust my defensive line to make plays. They didn't. Okay, but he trusted them. For the most part, they didn't. And the number two is the more aggressive you are against a team of Ohio State, the more likely you are to give up a slant route for a 60-yard touchdown, you know, because you blitz behind it and they throw behind it. And it's that one time that your corner doesn't quite close well enough on that big time receiver that all of a sudden you give up a big play. So I understand it, but I do. I do want to see it more. I want to see a little bit more aggressiveness that give people some things to think about. But you know, we'll see if that kind of plays out that way. Let's dive into that. The this the keys to the success for them, because I think it ties right into what you just said, Ryan. And the first one for me is be aggressive. And this this isn't this is a twofold look. And you and I were talking about this before the show. Number one is I do want to see the pressures. I want to see. Tackles for loss in a run game. I want to see sacks from the quarterback. I want to see those type of things, but the aggressiveness is also just about your overall game plan because aggressiveness isn't always on defense. Hey, bring mm-hmm. seven, right? Sometimes it's just how are you alignment wise. Yeah. And the big thing for us is Henry. Uh, co- co- I always get his name, his last name right. Colombi. 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 Colum- Colum- yep, you got it. Uh, the the thing about him is he's smart. He's accurate. Mm-hmm. He's experienced. But he can't throw it really hard and he can't throw it really far, at least not consistently. And he can get shook by pressure. And when he gets shook by pressure, he turns the ball over. Because he's turned the ball over quite a bit in his career. I don't know, like if you look at his interceptions per attempt ratio, it's not good. Yeah. So how do you do that? Number one, you don't let him throw quick game. Like, I do not want to see this Notre Dame defense coming out on Saturday playing seven, eight yards off the ball, just giving up pitches and quick slides and outs. Make them beat you down the field. Because Ohio State couldn't. So make Marshall do it. And so I want to see a variety. I mean, look, mix up your coverages, do all that kind of stuff. You don't just – that doesn't mean you just come out and cover one all day, right? Because anybody worth a grain of salt is going to find a way to beat you if you just come up and cover one all day, right? Do it. Do it. No, don't do it. Uh, (laughs) It's about mixing up your coverages, mixing up your looks, you know, making them think, hey, you know, this series, it looks like we're playing four, but we're actually rolling to sky, so our our corner is going to come up at the snap. You know, sometimes it's, hey, you drop your corner, but you're buzzing your your will or your your viper underneath any quick throws to take those away. There's a lot of different ways to attack the quick game that Notre Dame needs to be able to do. And, yeah, they could just come up and maybe play cover one against Marshall all day, but it's kind of like what we said yesterday. You can go out and bully Marshall, but you're not making your football team any better. It may make you feel better about, like, hey, we're, we were able to do this, but it doesn't make you better for the next week because you're not doing that in a rematch against Ohio State you're not doing that against clumps. You're not doing that against Alabama. So mix up your coverage and disguise it, but be aggressive with your coverages, make teams beat you down the field. Cause you do have a, at least one safety. And if Ramon Henderson can kind of get out of the, whatever funk he was in on Saturday, you have at least two safeties that are pretty rangy guys can help you protect over the top. And so I, I think there's a better alignment to do that. And then that allows your blitz packages and your front four to get to the quarterback. Cause what Ohio state did against Notre Dame was they just, Quick game Notre Dame all day because they were worried about the pass rush. And Notre Dame did a good job of rallying the football. They, like we, we talked about the, the tackling needs to get better, but one of the areas where I thought it was really good was the corners and the flat defenders did a great job of when Ohio State guys caught the football. For the most part, they brought them down where they caught it for the most part. you know, And that's a key, and that's a very important key to beating Ohio State. Marshall's a different story. Because they don't have C.J. Stroud, a quarterback, who can throw a beautiful deep ball. They don't have Marvin Harrison Jr., Nemeca Igbuka, and Jackson Smith, and Jigba outside to beat you. I'm not letting Corey Gamage catch eight balls in this game. He's going to have to throw the ball downfield to beat me. And so that's a big part of this game plan, too, Ryan, is be aggressive, take away the quicks, make them throw the ball down the field, because I don't think their quarterback's going to have enough time to do it. And when he does do it, I don't think he's going to be overly accurate. And I think that's going to get into the third key, which is get the ball. Right. Yes. And so, you know, we'll get to that a little bit more. Well, actually, let's do it. Let's do it now because it kind of goes with this. The mm-hmm. longer that quarterback has to hold the ball, the more chances you are. You're going to get that ball, whether it's sacks or turnovers or whatever the case may be. I think those two things in a lot of ways, Ryan, go hand in hand in this game.
2: Yeah, I don't think that Henry Columbia manages chaos well. Right. And Mm-mm. not many quarterbacks do. But I think that there's some quarterbacks that handle it less ideally than others do. Right. So I think that you need to put pressure on this kid. And that's just not just pressure as in pass rush, which is important. Notre Dame needs to get home. There's no doubt. They need to get to the quarterback. But more than anything, Brian, I, I mean, we spoke before the show and you just kind of reiterated it again. If Notre Dame is just playing off coverage all day against his team or zone, I'm going to be like, I'm gonna be a little bit turbed, Be completely honest about mm-hmm. it, man. Like I want Notre Dame to get in their face a little bit. Let's get some press coverage. Let's get some press bail. Let's get some man coverage. Like I want to see that in, a lot of instances in this game because you're in a position where you can afford to be aggressive. You can because you have the talent advantage. And we know, like you said, the wide receivers are bigger guys for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corey Gammage is 6'4", 220. The one is six one one ninety 190 something. Like they have a little bit of size. There's another 6'3 kid in the wide receiver group. So Marshall has some size. I don't know how much speed they have. Right. So I don't think that you should be worried about them throwing the ball over your head just because of the wide receivers in general. But then also you couple that with the fact that that's just not Henry Columbia's game. There's no Mm -hmm. reason that you shouldn't be closer to the line of scrimmage in this game. There's no reason that you shouldn't challenge this team and up front creates a movement, man. This is how your team is built, especially your front four. I mean, you're, you're a team that is designed off of being a one gap penetration style defense, Notre Dame Mm -hmm. needs to create that chaos because then what do you have behind them, Brian? You also have your best playmaker in theory on the second level is Maris Loifau, who also wins by being aggressive and using his athleticism. So Mm -hmm. using that on the two levels, I think is paramount. And in the cornerback room, defensive back room, I should just say in general, I want to see you come up and take some chances. I do because you have enough makeup speed on the back end where you have a bad jam at the line against core damage, I think you can still recover, right? Like, I don't think that you're out of the play in that instance. So I need to see aggressiveness. I I completely understand why it wasn't a huge point of emphasis against Ohio state, but your game plan Mm -hmm. worked. It did. You, you said we're going to tackle what's in front of us. We're not going to get beat deep. Cool. It worked against Mm -hmm. this team. You do not have to play that way, right. And that is the thing, right. is you need to you need to create your emphasis and your game plan around how can you beat the team that crossed from you in the best possible way. The best possible way is to get physical with this team and be aggressive, in my opinion. I
1: want to make sure people understand, this isn't a criticism of Notre Dame's game plan against Ohio State. Neither of us are doing that. It's It changes from week to week, depending on what the strengths and weaknesses of your opponent and how you match up on them. I thought the game plan to be... not Because I don't think they lacked aggressiveness, they just... They were not, they were guarding against the deep ball more and guarding against the seams and the different things like that. And it's what you needed to do against Ohio state. It was smart. It just this week, it's a different game plan and it's a different strength and it's a different weakness for your opponent. And that's why we are looking at it this way. I think my number two key is basic. We don't need to focus too much on that. And that is limit the big plays. And, and it really is simple guys. If, and gals, if, Toledo doesn't have big plays against Notre Dame last year. It's not competitive. And, of course, part of that was everybody thought, well, the defense gave up, you know, 29 points against Toledo. No, they didn't because the offense threw a pick six in that game. Don't give up the 67-yard play on a wheel route early in the game where your safety goes underneath his help instead of over the top to defend against it, right? Don't Mm -hmm. blow assignments and and have the wrong call in and and allow Toledo to rip off a 66-yard run to set up another touchdown. You know, it's just those kind of things. We saw it against Florida State. Limit those things, and all of a sudden, Marshall is just simply not good enough to go up and down the field consistently because you know who else wasn't good enough to do that? Florida State, Toledo, right? I mean, those type of teams. And what they did a great job of against Purdue was limiting the big plays. And the result was Purdue couldn't score on Notre Dame because they couldn't rip off the big plays. And so they only had, what, 13 points. Uh, Wisconsin, they limited the big play. So Wisconsin only had 13 points. And the games where Notre Dame gave up big plays, North Carolina, Notre Dame did not protect against big plays. And North Carolina moved the ball up and down the field with, you know, blown coverages on, you know, you had a, a penalty that should have been called on the wheel route, but also there wasn't help given to Tariq over the top that should have been mm-hmm. given to him on the wheel route. You had the blown coverage by Ramon. We still a corner that went for an easy touchdown. You had Ty Chandler going for 50 yard touchdown on, on blown assignments and bad fits. You had Sam, you know, uh, you had Sam House scrambling for big gains. It, a lot of it was just silly mental mistakes, technical mistakes. When you clean those up, teams could not score on Notre Dame last year when that stuff was cleaned up. And mm-hmm. when they did that stuff, it's allowed teams to be in the game. And it's so it's simple. Limit the big plays, and this team is not anywhere close to being good enough to move the ball up and down the field on Notre Dame and make this a ball game. And yep. so, I mean, those are though, however you're going to give them up blown coverages win the ball can, you know, tackle all those things factor into limiting big plays, limit big
2: plays. And Marshall has no chance in this football game. It's, it's also not how Marshall wins either, right? right. Like they're not an explosive team, right? I mean, like Kalen Laborn is a tough downhill runner that can, you know, break off a 15 to 20 yarder occasionally, right? Corey Gamage can win a, 20-yard, 50-50 ball down the field, 20-25-yard, 20, 50-50 ball. This team is not built off of explosive plays. So, like, let's not make a team something that they're not. Like, if Brian, you want to talk about SOS? I'd be sending out an SOS if Notre Dame leaves this game and they gave up a bunch of explosive plays to Marshall. It's not how they're built, man. That's why they are a heavy RPO screen team. Like, that's why they are the way they are. They're not a team that should be breaking off 50, 60-yard plays. Like, that's just not how they're built. It's just not their, their style. So... I mean, yes, I agree with you completely, because if if Notre Dame does that, not only are they going to make the game closer than it should be in the most inopportune times, you're also making a team better than they are. Right. Like you are making a team something that they are not. This team is not an explosive playmaking team on the offensive side of the football. They're methodical. They want to play. A, they want to run a bunch of plays. Henry Henry Columbia was 24 out of 26 last game right like it's about efficiency so like getting the football right. out of your hands they're not an explosive team they're not cuz so.
1: it's not the same offense as last year Th- no, that's that's not. the that's the point that that we're making here is you know I, yeah. Grant Wells could throw the ball downfield last year it, 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 even then they weren't doing it a ton right. you know they're going to try to get their guys in space get them the football it, it's really similar to Ohio State not schematically but philosophically in that it's Catch and runs. They're going to run the football, yes. you know, it, but you don't have Rashima Ali anymore to take the pressure off of the pass of the, of the, of the offense anymore. So, you know, like you said, Ryan is, is they weren't a, they weren't a, a huge throw it down the field team last year, but they could hit it. They could yes. hit the ball down the field because they have good players at receiver and they had a quarterback that could throw the ball down the field. I, that's, I just don't believe that to be the case this year. Uh, I mean, just for, for uh, just to make a point, they hit 26, throws down the field last year. They had they had 26 throws that went at least according to Pro Football Focus, which again as I've said, I like them for data collection. Uh but they hit 26 throws on on balls that were 20 yards or, or more down the field. But you know what else they did last year on those throws? Through five picks. Yeah. Cuz it's just, you know, they're not great at it. And so those are the things and if you kind of break it down game by game, you could see, okay, now we know why they hit those, that number. They had this number against this team that's not good and this number against that team that's not good. So it's just not who they are. And, and so, you know, for me, Ryan, I just, it, it, it's about execution. And then and that's the one thing that really impressed me. Uh, by the way, last year, Henry, Henry Columbia last year starting quarterback at Texas tech through, uh, com- through 150 passes. Uh, he only attempted 25 uh, beyond 20 yards or more. Yep. And he only completed an extra 17 on 10 yards or throw 10 yards or, or closer. So Uh, Last year, he completed 95 passes and 67 of them were on throws that traveled less than 10 yards down the field, just to Mm -hmm. reiterate our point with data. And, uh, you know, so to me, when I when I look at 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 this, uh, those are the things that I need to see, right, Mm -hmm. is is limit those things. And and I think the encouraging thing for me uh, to kind of get back to this current matchup is um, oh, by the way, last week against uh, Norfolk State, they went 0 for 1 on attempts of at least 20 yards down the field. Well, I was going to say and they he went had 3 like... for 3 against on throws between 11 and 19. Yeah, yeah, I was going
2: to say, Brian, because he was, I mean, he completed 24 passes and it was for like 210 yards or something like that, right? So, right. I mean, like, you got to imagine the average depth of right. target is pretty low in that. Nine instance, of them were know? behind
1: the line of scrimmage, Ryan. Yeah. Nine yep. of them yep. were behind the line of scrimmage and 12 of them were less than 10 yards. So to your, just using data to back up the point. So take that stuff away and you're now eliminating what they want to do well. Yep. And I think that's a,
2: a, definitely a recipe for success in this. Eliminate, one, eliminate sure. the run game, eliminate the screen game and the RPO game and force them to do stuff that they are uncomfortable doing. That is, that is the point yeah. of it. I agree completely. And how do you do that? You How do you force people to do something? you be aggressive and do it. Well, yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I'd like to. Yeah. It. Yeah. And, and, so the other
1: thing, last thing, Ryan, before we move on to questions, we're going to take y'all's questions next and have a little bit of fun talking about uh, some different things you all want to talk about. I know one thing we won't be talking about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about sports. But special teams. Yeah, This is an interesting situation. I thought the two areas that we were – the the Ohio State game was so weird in so many different ways. What was mm-hmm. the two biggest question marks about this team coming into the opener or the three that this kind of one overarching? It was a kicking game, kicking, kicking, game, Punting, yeah. kicking, kicking, place, kicking and kicking off. I had mm-hmm. never heard of the kid that did kickoffs in the game before Saturday. Never heard of him. I cover Notre Dame for a living and, I, and his name was never brought up to me in a conversation. I never was told about him at practice. And then what does he do? He kicks every freaking ball out of into the end zone. I was like, imagine that. Imagine (laughs) that. Like, I love this kid, right? Like, I don't know who this kid is, but I'm a big fan, you know? So uh, don't give him a chance to return the ball. You know, if they they want to try to give Marshall some attempts to return, that's fine. But there was no reason to give Ohio State a chance to return kicks on Saturday. None. And John Sott was good. I mean, his kicks were inconsistent. But you know what Ohio State couldn't do against him? Return it. They had one return for four yards. He had eight punts. And then Blake Groupie was perfect two for two, made his only field goal and then made his only extra point. So the one thing we were most concerned about was the best part of Notre Dame special teams on Saturday. The coverage on the punt was good, too. I- I'll give them that. Yes, the punt coverage was. was really good, too. But the kick mm-hmm. return coverage didn't get a chance to do anything. The kick return game was not good. Marcus Freeman said today that I thought they kind of over uh, – how do you say it? It was sort of like maybe overthought it a little bit, right, the game plan. Uh, what they were trying to do, just look. Here's here's what I care about in the special teams this week, Ryan. No mistakes, just yes. no no miss points, no giving them points. Don't do anything that's going to allow Marshall to stay in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Don't do. It's like Lou Samoji used to say this, and I loved it because he would say it all the time, and he would get this when we do shows together. He'd get this little smirk. I wish we could have done shows together like like in this format where you could see his facial expressions, because he would always like, get this smirk on his face and he would say it. Uh, but when he talked about uh, special teams, he compared it to the Hippocratic Oath as a doctor, right? It's like, do no harm, right? That was the thing, do no harm. That was Lou's big thing on special teams, especially in games like this, do no harm. And I always think about Lou uh, with, you know, home openers, and and I'm going to be thinking about him a lot on Saturday. But uh, I used to love when he would say that, right? And it would always be games like this, especially, he'd say, do no harm. And that's really yeah. what it boils down to for special teams in this game, right, is don't do anything that costs your team. Right. Make your kicks cover. Don't do any. Don't turn a ball over. Play sound football. That that's all I ever care about with special teams. Do your job.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart.
2: I think someone said it before. I said, like, the kickers, the punters, like, I don't want to notice you, right? Like, right. a long snappers. I don't want to notice you, man. Like, just do your job and make it monotonous. Like, I did not notice Blake Groupie last, last week, even though he had a nice field goal. Like, good job, man. You did everything you needed to in that game. Fantastic. punting, John Sot. Like, I thought it was consistent. I, not consistent, but it was a solid product overall, right? Like, he did his job. And I'm like, cool. Didn't have to talk about John Sot on the, on the post game show. Awesome. That's great, man. Good. The things that we had to talk about, though, was the two biggest things was the kick, um, kick return units, like you said. And also, Brian, can Notre Dame return upon at some point in my lifetime? Right. Can this happen? I don't know. If well, this Marcus Freeman happen, talked man. about
1: that today, which I was yeah, happy about. Yeah. He he talked yeah. about that today. He said, look, I want him to be more aggressive, but yeah. then also being smart. Right. Because that's a fine line between. The two. Hey, I want you yeah. to be aggressive. I want you to return more kicks, but then also don't do something stupid like, oh, I think I got this. And as you catch it, you get hit right. by three guys and you fumble the football or you well, try to was... run up 30 yards and, and slide to catch a ball that bounces off yeah. your chest and the other team recovers. Right. Like be smart, but then also be aggressive. And, and but yeah. I think it's it, here's the thing about that, though, Ryan, your whole game plan on both sides of the ball was about not being aggressive. So you can't just flip the switch on when you get the punt return, right? It's don't give up a big play on defense. Be conservative on offense. And so this whole this, – there's a reason that we are talking about aggressiveness on both sides of the ball, and I'm going to talk about it again here because that is a mentality that is instilled on you and how you go about your business throughout every single day. It's not something you just flip the switch on because your game plan calls were on Saturday. And so I did like hearing that from him about the offense and the special teams especially. Because that is something you want to see. If you're going to be aggressive, then you need to be aggressive, mm-hmm. and then it starts to manifest itself in every other way. So that's why I do. We do need to see that uh, in this in this game for sure.
2: Yeah, it it would have just been nice because I, I I completely understand. You're you know you're you're not wrong in the fact of like hey if you're if you're bringing a pass I don't want to call it passive if you, if it's not an aggressive game plan. Than conservative. How about conservative. that? Yes. Right. Conservative is a much more, a much more appealing word to being right. Cause, cause
1: negative, passive so. has a, a negative
2: connotation that connotation. we're not intending. Yes. Right. 100%. Like soft, yeah. right. Yes. 100%. It's, it's not the intention of what we're saying in the game last week there, especially when your offense is struggling a little bit, there were just a couple punts in that game that I felt like Brandon Joseph could have returns, right? Like there was definitely mm-hmm. a couple where I'm just like, Nope, fair catch. Do not go near that yeah. ball. To your point, you got to be smart with it, right? And I want to see, I mean, the kick return game, like when they have their opportunities, I want to get Chris Tyree in the open. I want to establish kind of that momentum going because we know he's a great kick returner. We know that we've seen it. We have seen that product already and it has scored touchdowns at Notre Dame. So Mm -hmm. I want to see that product do a better job. Aggressiveness, again, like aggressive blocking on the kick return unit. Like that has to be a big point of emphasis. And then punt return, like... I don't need, I don't need Brandon Joseph to return every punt. I don't, I need him to return it though. When your offense is struggling a little bit to kind of give you guys a little bit of a pickup, like, Hey, let's flip field position a little bit here. Let's, let's. And and Ryan,
1: would you agree that in the game of college football now, you're not going to get five or six punt return opportunities. You're going to get one or two a game. Maybe Mm -hmm. when those times come, you have to take advantage because you may not get another one. And it's because 100%. of the way the spread punt is and in all the different types of ways that guys, you know, now teams, if you're not aggressive, like one thing I would like to see Notre Dame do more of is the, from an aggressive standpoint is attack the punter more. Because one of the reasons teams are so good in coverage is because punters nowadays take the ball and then they kind of run off to their right and then it's yes. the rugby punt thing and then kick it because you're not attacking it because you're not attacking it because of the way the teams now do with the shield with the three big guys up front, right? Well, I still want to attack it. Right, because we saw yes. that. What was the game we saw that against? Uh, was it the Clemson Georgia Tech game, where the Georgia Tech punter thought he had all day yes. to punt? It was the thing that kind of yep. broke that game open. The Ge- Georgia Tech was hanging with Clemson, and the Georgia was, Tech wasn't it zero
2: zero at that time, right? Wasn't it zero zero or seven zero maybe something? I something was early. was
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I, I'd have to go back and look at it, Ryan. I don't remember, yeah. but it was a, it was still a very low scoring contested game, and that was the first big momentum break that Clemson had in that game and yeah. it was because the punter had in his head that I got all day to, to kick it and Clemson went after it and got it. So I would like to see that because then all of a sudden the other team says, Hey, we got to make sure that we're committing a little bit more resources or maybe have our frontline hold just a split second longer to make sure that they can hold those guys up. Cause Notre Dame going to try to throw forward our three blockers, right? Because Hey, they are not as concerned as much about returning. That's the thing I've never understood. If you're not going to be about returning, And returning is just good. This is what I never understood about Notre Dame with Brian Polian. It was so dumb. If you're not going to care about returning, then at least go after punts. Yes. At least make, because then you can, even if it's not about blocking it all the time, if the guy gets in his head that I got to get this sucker off quick, then guess what he's going to do? He's going to shank some, he's going to muff some, he may drop the ball because he's worried about the pressure. These are punters, after all, with all due respect. And mm-hmm. so I've never understood that. So if you're not going to be a team that's setting up returns, and it's hard to set up returns nowadays, like it used to be, you, know, you don't do wall returns like you used to back in the day when teams were, you know, in the old school traditional punt where you know guys were, you know, one, two, three, set and go, you know, mm-hmm. and you could just hit and then take off running. It's different now because they do have the resources in the back line. So uh, then be more aggressive. Then try to force the punter into a mistake. And those are things that I would like to see more of. So that aggressiveness comes from the return game as well, you know, and then look, and if team wants to get as aggressive as Ohio state did on Saturday, Mm -hmm. then, Mm -hmm. you know, try to be smart and call a return to the other side or try to do a reverse or something like that. You know what I mean? Like try to do something that gets their, their ability to just kind of run fast in a straight line uh, a little bit out on top of blocking a little bit better.
2: Well, we saw Brian Mason when he was at Cincinnati be kind of an aggressive style special teamer. I mean, they blocked several kicks. Were not they tied for like the NCAA lead last year or something? Yeah, like they that blocked, blocked like six kicks? or
1: seven kicks or something. Yeah. Like that Yeah, last yeah. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, we we've seen that from him. So again, like, you know, but it's the, I, it ultimately
1: it's the head coach's decision, right? I mean, that hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Well, I was just yeah. going to say, I subscribe to your thought process that again, it was it was more of a non-aggressive kind of style from a coaching perspective on this past Saturday. So I'm curious to see if they, maybe they open that up a little bit and they start to kind of work that in. I don't need them to try to block every punt against Marshall. Like I don't need that. Right. Like you only need to pick your spots with it, in my opinion, as long as you are setting up for a return. But I, I, I am curious to see if there's a more aggressive style on right. the punt block side of things. Cause we have seen that from Brian Mason in the past, obviously. That's all
1: going to be part of the very, very interesting aspect of this because it can't just be, hey, let's be aggressive for Marshall, but then when we go play North Carolina or Clemson or BYU, we're going to you know, tamp it down a little bit. No, this has to be who you are. You're either attacking an attacking team or not. It's as simple as that. And so I hope that this is a, you know what, like I – because sometimes you can lose a game and be like, dude, I did not – like I've said this before, Ryan. I've had it in my coaching career and playing career. I know you've had it. I've seen it with Notre Dame where it's like, you know what? It didn't really matter what we did. You know, that team was better than us that day. Or it's like, hey, you know what? We batted our butts off. Like the 27, the 2014 game is Florida State. Uh, I don't have, I don't say anything, hey, this coordinator should have done this or the player should have done it. Look, you batted your butts off. Florida State was better than you that day, and they had a little bit of help from the guys in black and white, right? I mean, okay, it, it, it just, they just got us that day. Right. Bama in 2020 was better than Notre Dame. But the Mm -hmm. feeling that you had was, but you didn't see Notre Dame give their best because they were they were afraid. You know, they coached like they didn't want to get blown out. And it's those games to me that you have those sick feeling in your stomach Mm -hmm. where you feel like, you know, we didn't put it all out there. I I, Look, I've had games, Ryan, where we've gotten beat convincingly. Union was one when I was coaching at Wittenberg where it's like, you know what, I, I felt I felt okay after that game. I hate losing, no matter who it's to, but you're like, our kids played their butts off. We had an aggressive game plan. That team was just better than we were. Mm-hmm. But the games where you're like, God, we left so much out on the field, and it's almost like, yeah, you lost in a close game. You gained respect, but it's just like, but we played not to lose, or we did this because we coached. Fr- it's like it's just a sick feeling. So my hope is that Marcus Freeman and the staff just kind of had that sick feeling like, gosh. Yeah, okay we had a closer game than people thought but man it just i don't want to lose that way again i want to go down yeah. swinging yep. you know and and that's the thing that i would hope that we'll see more i i'm always a big fan man go down swinging mm-hmm. right like you know boxers I, I i can't stand guys that you know like the just like you know bob and weave their way to a 12 round loss yeah you know, it's okay still lost you know it's like go out there and fight you know what i mean like that's why i love watching the the small dudes because like i feel like those dudes go out there and they just start swinging you know, and then the heavyweights <laughs> like dance with each other for twelve freaking rounds. That's why I can't watch boxing anymore. It's like, you know, like give me those tiny dudes that just go out there and throw five hundred punches a fight. You know, that's what I want to see. Uh, anyway, I get off my soapbox. But I just want to see guys go down swinging. And and it's it is, but it's a mentality that it's established Monday through Friday. You don't just turn mm-hmm. it on when you're calling plays on Saturday. And so yep. that's what I'm hoping we got, we see this weekend. No doubt about it. So, Ryan, that's going to be the keys to the game breakdown for today. Uh, Before we head out to the mailbag, right, we're going to go out and do the mailbag next, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review, check out all of our links below in the description bar, we've got our shop, we've got our built bar stuff, got a a lot of things going on, check out our CFP Nation podcast, definitely subscribe to that, we would greatly appreciate that, and then listen to the shows to help us continue to grow and expand, because the more you listen, the more it gets pumped up by the SEO and the analytics and all that stuff. And then more and more people have access to it. Like you all have done for this channel. You know, I mean, Ryan, we, I remember the first, we launched this in December of 2020. And the first month we had like maybe 30,000 downloads and then it was up to 40 and then 60. You know, we're on pace almost half a million downloads this month is the pace we're on. So y'all have been a big reason for that. And so we greatly appreciate it. And we're trying to get our CFB Nation channel launched on that as well.